names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Lounge, back into the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, as always, joined by Harrison Fagan. All right. I, I know me explaining the show isn't normally the most popular thing uh, to start shows with, but as this is one of the weirder like couple weeks after a free agency period and draft that we have ever really seen. This has been insane. Um, like an hour or so before Harrison and I started recording, this whole Aiden to the Pacers thing really started heating up. That is still a developing story, and it does affect the Lakers. So as this thing develops, I'll keep you guys posted while we're on the air. And I'll do so to the best of my abilities and knowledge. And Harrison and I are going to just kind of quickly touch on how we think this think this might affect the Lakers. It does affect the Lakers. So we're going to talk about that. We also have this GenieBusNBA.com interview with our buddy Mark Medina. Um, we have Kyrie Irving and everybody peripherally associated with those negotiations, throwing temper tantrums all at the same time. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and, and then if you want a bigger kind of macro conversation about this DeAndre Ayton thing, Aaron and I are going to be recording the hook tomorrow. We'll have a full picture of that. We'll, we'll have the decision on whether this is going to be an offer sheet signing, or if they're going to try to do a sign and trade as of right now, Adrian Wojnarowski is saying that Phoenix is reluctant to enter into sign and trade negotiations. Um, but that is obviously probably going to change, and we know all about public negotiations. So when Aaron and I talk, we'll have a better and fuller picture of what this thing looks like. For right now, Harrison, one, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> you know, I'm doing all right. I, I you know, it, it was fun to listen. Is this the first time I've talked this episode? Is it? I, I don't know that we've ever made it two minutes without me interrupting you. This was really important. You know, it was just like a lowdown. Like, it, yeah, I, I should, I should have had like a <laughs> before I threw to you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing good. You know, I'm. It's a, uh, it's, it's scary time with the latest spike and seemingly like everyone that we know that went to Las Vegas Summer League testing positive and you know you recovering and you know everything and trying to still figure out if you know we can plan a wedding uh, amidst all this has been interesting and an adventure outside of work uh, and then you know on top of that you have all the insane weirdness that you mentioned and you know the Lakers and Nets continuing to hold their breath until the other one you know decides <laughs> to give them what they want and it's uh yeah it's been a weird weird time i'm convinced that there is a direct correlation between your wedding plans and covid spikes you know, at some point, we are just going to have to decide whether or not Mia and I's love is responsible for this pandemic. Because <laughs> every time you reach out, every time we, we get close to the date that we would be celebrating your guys' nuptials, bam! <laughs> yeah. COVID, COVID comes in like the Kool-Aid man. We're like, just we're like surfers, everybody. and we just got our board, and we're just riding the waves in. You know, it's just... Um. All right, so... Let's let's start reluctantly 
by trying to summarize this DeAndre Ayton situation. This has been waiting. This He's been waiting to sign some kind of an offer sheet anywhere since July 1st. We are on July 14th. So it's been a long 13. If we think it's been a long 14 or so days for us, uh, just imagine DeAndre Ayton knowing that there's somewhere, somebody's going to give him hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just a matter of where that is going to come from. And so, the whole time, Robert Sarver has been outside his house yelling at him. He's like, you can't get the max. <laughs> come back for the minimum. Robert no going to pay you that much. You're not worth it. Like Robert Sarver, even, even beyond the the legal things that he's going on, which are disgusting. If the rumors and the reports are to be Seems like uh, believed. Seems a terrible person all around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go just out on a limb and say that. Generally awful. And then on top of that is the kind of owner that your, your executive team, your, your basketball operations team probably legitimately hates because yeah, he signs the checks, but he just made life on them endlessly harder by going to DeAndre Ayton at one point uh, last season or, the, or, or the, in the lead up to last season and telling him, DeAndre, I know we selected you before Luca. I know that you are a cornerstone of our friend. No, he, he was the number one overall pick. We know yeah, we, select, he sel we selected you first overall. You're a local college kid. You went to the University of Arizona. Same same university he went to, I believe. Yeah, you you are uh, you are a big reason why we have uh, seen this uptick in in what our franchise is capable of because of your growth and your acceptance of a smaller role. And all of that said, go fuck yourself. We're not giving you the max. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, and 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 uh, as you would, I'm sure imagine things haven't gotten much better from there. So DeAndre Ayton signs a $133 million restricted free agency offer sheet or is going Apparently, to at midnight I tonight. I, saw, I think I saw Woj tweet. It's the biggest offer sheet in history, which is kind of yeah, cool and crazy. For, yeah, for a yeah. restricted free agent. Yeah, so for it's the biggest restricted free agent offer sheet ever signed when it gets signed at midnight Who had tonight. money on, on the Pacers and Herb Simon? Signing the biggest <laughs> offer sheet in an NBA history. Like, yeah, man. Like they're gonna they they're launching a GoFundMe. You think after they told him? Like, is this gonna leak in like in like six hours? Like the latest update's gonna be like, yeah, Herb Simon never realized that that was a record amount, and he is no longer willing to pay it. Like it's yeah. I, well, and and if if Herb Simon Herb Simon is the uh, is the owner of the Indiana Pacers, Simon, that name is the owner like that's the that's the backing of simon malls so all a lot of this dude's wealth comes from mall space which we talked about COVID at the beginning of this and we've taught we've we've all watched as amazon has taken a wrecking ball to any and all real <laughs> um retail space and 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 the and the i'm telling you my brain is broken um but still this dude is willing to pony up for this because Basketball is a good business right now. And so yeah. if you can if you can if you can employ a good basketball team and you can get the profits from that, it's somehow doing better than retail space, um, which for the go woke, go broke crowd, <laughs> well done, you idiots. So uh so yeah, so DeAndre Ayton signs that 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 offer sheet or is going to sign it at midnight. In the meantime, they're going to try to work on sign and trade negotiations. I would imagine Miles Turner's name is going to come up in that. Um, I would imagine Buddy Heald's name is going to come up in that. Um, and and uh, the Suns. Oh my God! Is that, is that Rob Polinka's music? 
Well, that's, this is, this is where it affects the Lakers, right? It's because if those names that the Lakers have been tied to get traded to Phoenix, then that takes an option off of the table for the Lakers and removes some of the leverage that they have with Brooklyn. Now, we, it remains to be seen if that is actually going to be the case. If Phoenix, as Woj is tweeting out, does match DeAndre Ayton's uh, number here, that means Indiana will have a bunch of space. And I can't imagine Miles Turner will want to stick around, um, given the fact that his name has been in- involved with trade rumors and speculation now for I'm about not 100% sure on that just because Jake Fisher was saying on his podcast yesterday that Miles Turner like actually has shown like an openness to just kind of like being a part of this rebuild even with Aiton in tow like well but like I mean it more I mean it more from the standpoint of, and I'm not I'm not here to refute Jake's reporting like he knows That's more than I'm I do, do. So, yeah yeah <laughs> but but like if you look at it from a human standpoint this guy has been in trade rumors and speculation now for multiple years on end. They just tried to off. They literally are on the verge of signing the biggest restricted free agent offer seat in NBA history for his replacement at his position. After they finally traded DeMontis Sabonis away and opened up for him, he thought the starting spot and the lone starting gig in the organization. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I believe Jake Fisher, but I also would understand if Miles Turner was like, all right, come on. <laughs> you yeah. know, so so I you know we, we it remains to be seen how that's going to impact that for the Lakers though they're sitting back oh and and also importantly for the Lakers as soon as Aiton signs this thing KD to Phoenix is almost dead in the water It's essentially dead in the water it, because if he cannot Aiton can't be involved in a sign and trade at that point um, that would bring back Kevin Durant uh, the the Suns don't have the assets as it stands right now to beat an offer that Toronto could put on the board without Aiton involved in it. Uh, and and so if you remove a destination for Kevin Durant, that means that Brooklyn can feel more likely and more able, capable of uh, keeping Kevin Durant and therefore might be more reluctant to trade Kyrie Irving because they're going to try to appease KD and say, hey, we can keep you here. We can keep this group together. All we need is Kyrie Irving to not go off on the dark uh, on the dark web too often this year, and we'll give him his extension at the end of the season. All, um, all I'm going to say is that it's going to be real suspicious when the Toronto Raptors send the Indiana Pacers like a first round pick for like uh like a top fifty five protected future second. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. just in the wake of this offer sheet, just random trade in the middle of August. Just randomly, just Masai Ujiri just sends one of those Schefter chocolate boxes, chocolate gift boxes. <laughs> to, to Cash the... considerations to the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, for nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, this would drive down the offers that, that would be coming in for Kevin Durant, those offers that already stood and, st- and, and were at a place that Brooklyn clearly wasn't thrilled with. And so if it becomes less likely that Kevin Durant gets moved, it also becomes less likely that Kyrie Irving gets moved. And for the Lakers, that's not great because they're trying to turn Russell Westbrook into Kyrie Irving. So So you're saying the Nets might, you know, do that thing with the clip that you have? uh, Are you you saying uh, this one? Run it back! Run it back! Run it back! Run it back! I'm just trying to picture 
like Joe Psy doing that while Sean Marks just like collapses on the stage. Like he's just like, I can't do this. Like I'm a Steve Nash quits like in protest. He's like, I can't, I, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't be here anymore. This is unbelievable. As soon as, as soon as those guys walk into the, uh, into the practice facility again for the first time, right? Steve Nash just stands there and just laughs, right? Just yeah. laughs maniacally. Because, all right, did you ever watch? Did you ever watch the uh, Watchmen? Did you watch the Watchmen movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That the the guy who played uh, the the really psycho guy. I'm, I'm just gonna. Yeah, Rorschach. Thank you. Yeah. Didn't he kind of look like Steve Nash? A little bit, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. This I is mean, actually be- this is actually the beginning of that character arc. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching it unfold. Steve Nash is going to put on the Rorschach mask. He's just like, I can't. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's that's where things stand there. At, like I said, I only really want to, wanted to quickly touch on it and how it might affect the Lakers as it stands right now. We don't have full information on it. We, we aren't going to have full information on it. Maybe even by the time that Aaron and I talk tomorrow. They technically still have until Saturday night at midnight to make a decision on on what they're going to do here. So uh, until then, we're all just kind of left here waiting and watching the dominoes fall as they will. As this is unfolding, we still have the Donovan Mitchell trade request, or, or not request, but trade negotiations. He might be going to, to New York. Um, there's just a lot going on. So I'd rather move my attention to something more concrete and something that Harrison know a lot more about and it's this NBA.com interview with uh, Jeannie Buss. Uh, Mark Medina did it. And I just wanted to ask you, Harrison, was there, what was the moment? I, I think people listening probably know the moment that I threw my phone. But was there any moment, was there any moment that made you like respond more outwardly than any other from that interview? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's the same moment that, you know, that it was for you when, you know, I, I first of all, I, I love that Medina prefaced his question with injuries were a huge factor, but several, including myself, with a link, <laughs> says, also argued last season shortcomings stem from the roster construction with the Westbrook trade, the depth required to make that happen and having a veteran heavy team. How did you view that part? So he's like, he brought receipts. I like to imagine that he pulled up the link. He like screen projected that to her. He's like, here, look, this is, yeah. you know, I wrote this. Before you answer, read what I wrote. Yeah. And her, she leads her answer. Many members of the media, when that trade was made, thought it was going to put us over the top in the conference. I, I mean, she's not wrong. If you just take like a really broad view of the media, like I'm sure you could classify whatever you're saying as like many, you know, like I I was one of the people that thought that the Lakers would be better and pretty good like I thought that the the thought process of Russ being a better Dennis Schroeder like sort of lined up to me I thought that he could manage that and you know obviously I was wrong but there were like I'm not going to pretend like she's not partially right that there weren't members of the media that thought that but if you're leading in your answer with turning it back around and be on the reporter and being like hey look the media thought this was a good thing too as if it's like this giant monolith that all thinks the same was uh you know, the latest in, I would say, a string of sort of deflecty quotes from Jeannie this summer. Here's how here's how I think this plays out or played out for Jeannie, right? As if you are if 
if you are looking to insulate yourself from criticism at the time of the trade, you are going to think that the media liked that move because I would imagine all of the things that she read at that time was praise from the media about the big, bold move that the Lakers made, right? And then if you're going to go a year later and get criticized for that move, you're going to say, well, wait a second, all the information that I got at that time, all the analysis that I read at that time said it was a good move. But if you ignore the criticism of the move at the time, then you're not going to think that there was any criticism present. And I think what that's kind of what we have going on here, where she's saying, oh, well, everybody that I was listening to said it was a good idea. Well, yeah, the people you were listening to were either people praising you breathlessly for a, if you, like the, the nicest you character she was watching like ball don't stop hype mixes she's like yeah you know the real media yeah. the real hoopers loved this move so yeah right well it, i would have respected that more if she if she would have said the real hoopers you know but i like, but i think but i think though like if you're if you're so the, the if you're if you're characterizing the move like the LeBron best raised me on the shop uh the, <laughs> the most like the most Nice, but still fair characterization of the move was that it was risky, right? Yes. It was a gamble. It could pay even, off. Even proponents like me thought yeah. that there was that there was a floor to that. I didn't. I didn't see almost anybody that I regularly listen to for analysis, um, and are like regularly correct in their analysis. I didn't see anybody out there saying this is a home run move the lakers just won themselves a championship i didn't see that from basically anybody the most pervasive still yet still optimistic and fair characterization and analysis of that move at that time was oh, i can see what they're thinking but it's still insanely risky right and 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 i'm sorry genie but there were plenty of people out there who said, oh God, this isn't gonna work out. There was plenty of criticism of that, of that move out there at that time that you either flat out ignored or are pretending to ignore at this point. And, and even all that said, to analyze your offseason based off of a subjective reading of the analysis at the time, like that's not, that's not logical. That's, that's a farcical, way to do business it's like well well you guys said it was a good idea we're not making the choices here <laughs> yeah Anthony, I'm, while you were that that is true it's like yeah i mean the pro, if you're making your decisions based off of like if you and this is not what that's not what she's saying that she did was that she like listened to media you know praise and was like oh now it's a good move she's talking about in the aftermath and i think she's like it's a semi-fair point in the sense of like this was not universally panned at the time i you know there are people that are saying that that's true and that's not true to me there were people who praised this move i was one of them like i thought that this would work out but even i to the subject of like this was a gamble in our SB Nation season preview when we wrote about best case worst case scenarios I wrote Westbrook never attacks doing the little things like cutting off ball with the verve he has for getting triple doubles drumming a, gumming up the works for the Lakers offensively LeBron James sustains another injury as he clearly starts losing his long battle with father time and Anthony Davis rebels against playing center after a few weeks leading to an even more clogged floor for the Lakers offensively the three stars never get healthy and fit at the same time and Frank Vogel never finds the right mix of role players around them they lose in the first round leading to Westbrook getting traded and Vogel being fired I was like 90% right on my 
like worst case scenario yeah. for what the season could happen. That I was just, impressive. I just wanted to gas myself up, but like that was impressive. That was Look written at you before and, the season. You and Medina. Yeah. Just, just pulling up those receipts. No, no, I look, I like I, I Medina was more right than me because I still thought that it would go well. I just thought that there was, you know, bust potential with that move. And, you know, yeah. So to phrase it as a, a risky gamble and not universally praised, I think is totally fair. Yeah. And 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 again, like that shouldn't even matter. Like if you're if you're if you're saying so the point that she's trying to make is you can't criticize us of the move right now. You can't offer us criticism now if you said it was a good move at the time. But there was enough noise at the time of the move that would indicate that at best it's a gamble. At worst, what the hell are you doing? And that was my first instinct on this was like, what do we, how, what, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, I just, and if she's saying, that no you can't criticize us now for this move then i'm sorry genie that isn't how it works <laughs> you just because you only took in certain media outlets that you were looking for optimism from yeah she only read silver screen and roll unfortunately well but but like look there are <laughs> if if all she listened to was like spectrum right if all she listened to was was kevin ding and Mike Trudell and people who are employed by the Lakers, then yeah, surely she probably ran into plenty of optimism. And, and yet there is plenty. And I'm not even I, like, just to be clear, I, I named those, those outlets and those people by name because they are literally employed or have corporate partnerships with the Lakers. I don't have anything against them. I think Mike is probably the smartest person I know in this industry. His ability to do this stuff as quickly as he does is insane. But if what you're looking for at the time is optimism, you can't then turn around and say all that was out there at the time was optimism because that wasn't all that was out there at the time. And again, none of that freaking matters because at the end of the day, the situation is what it is right now. Like, and, you, you, uh, yeah. And also, yeah, again, just to kind of bring us back to, you know, like what actually matters, you know, the media pray like, sure, that's fine. But the media gets things wrong all the time in terms of like analysis and opinion. Yeah. Like, that's part of it. Like no one bats 100 percent on this stuff. Even Zach Lowe, who's like considered like the golden standard of all of this, like he will freely admit that he gets things wrong sometimes. Like no one yeah. in the opinion space is batting 100 percent. So even if there were many members of the media, like that doesn't matter now. It didn't matter then. Like what matters is making the correct decisions. And so like, you know, she's saying like, I'm not here to make excuses. It wasn't acceptable. But then you're like, oh, well, in literally the next answer, absolutely. Yes, I have faith in the Lakers for an office moving forward. And when asked what gives them that a championship ring from 2020, it's like, you know, again, I don't want to be like a parody of, you know, that person. It's like, well, what have you done for me lately? Like a championship ring within the last two years is still it's a nice nothing. thing. And you know, but like the how badly things have gone since then to laugh off any criticism of the systemic tearing down of that champion, no matter how, you know, praised or it was or wasn't at the time, you know, given that you went from the pinnacle of the sport to not even making the play in in two years, like that should lead to some questions about the front office, not laughing it off as though you're like, hey, it was all just bad luck. And, you know, many members of the media praised us. Well, and in that, in the same answer that she gave in response to the 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 Russell Westbrook and the analysis and all of that, right? She said, "I'm not here to make mistakes." 
in immediate. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, plenty of mistakes. But I'm not here to make excuses and immediately yeah, the list. The she's excuses. not here to make mistakes. That's what Rob's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I just I walk away from it. I understand why she's trying to give these interviews and why she's trying to 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 be and the honestly, face of this. I, and I, I think it's the admirable. hell out of her for putting yeah. herself out there, taking questions. Like I know it's NBA.com, but the NBA does not actually run NBA.com. It's yeah. a licensed thing through Turner. Like Medina. She, Gave her some legitimately tough yeah. questions, and I respect her. Not every owner would put themselves out there like this with a non-state media outlet. Like, look no further than the Knicks, uh, right. and like what their management and ownership and all of them do in terms of. So, like, I respect Jeannie for going and taking some genuinely tough questions and like probing questions from Medina like this. Yeah, and and again, like props to Medina for the way that he handled the interview, right? Because like we see a lot of times- Finding a way to ask her about Kyrie Irving without four different say, without saying his name was <laughs> yeah. incredible yeah. journalism work. Knowing that really if good. he mentions the name, that she has to immediately shut the question down. So he's like, you know, in terms of making additions and like, what do you look for in terms of like leadership and availability and yeah. <laughs> YouTube habits? Like, she... <laughs> What do you think of that one hat? You that, look that at one person players wore? and like who they're following on Instagram before you trade for them. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I again, like credit. I wish to... you would ask that one. That would have been great. <laughs> do you think the Earth is flat? It was. <laughs> I almost just did a spit take there. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, again, like I, I find it admirable that she steps up and tries to do this. Because like as we as we've talked about umpteen times in the past, and she I knows am, when she does it that you and I are going to sit here and criticize her yeah. answers no matter what, right? Um, but I, I you know, you. the attempt the the attempt at it is is I think as notable as the answers themselves, right? Because she is aware, like she she even says it in that in that in that article in in that interview. Last night or last season wasn't enough. The way that it, it the way that it played out last year is not acceptable. Now, her response to it not being uh, acceptable falls well short, right? Uh, one of the questions I was kind of begging for as as I was reading it was like, "Are I would love to hear from her? Are you willing to make changes to the way that you do things if this continues?" Right? Because that's the hundred zillion dollar question facing the Lakers. I think we sort of got that between this and the Plashke interview. I, I feel like we've sort of gotten oh, for sure. that answer just reading between the lines of what she has said. It does not sound like she is ready to change the people Anything. advising her. Anything. Well, because like, look, in, in that thing, she defends her relationship with Phil Jackson and the, and the input that he has with the organization. Magic. After the way that things ended with Phil Jackson at the end of his tenure, she also brings up magic and, and says that he's always around. She calls herself a very collaborative worker and 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 all of that. And yeah, like it, the, the moments of the most defiance, I would say, is probably when she gets questions about the process that leads to the results. Yep. Yep. And, and, and and that's what makes it clear to me. We don't even need the question. She said it like yeah. about how she feels about that process and that like no matter you know and again like yeah i, I don't want us to talk about out both sides of our mouths here like you and i are both guys who talk about like if you think a process was good on something you don't change it just because the results were bad yeah. like you don't change your process just because things did not go well this one time if you really feel confidence in that and so i do think that in general they're 
like that is a good sort of way to approach things and whatever. But I also think there are a lot of questions to ask about the process that yes. is going on here. And like and that kind of thing. Like, I don't think that this is some foolproof process that they're utilizing that is like unquestionable and that you can't, you know, kind of poke some holes in. Yeah, I, I think what you're what you're looking at when you have flawed process, but immensely talented people being a part of that process, you can still get positive results. It's just a lot harder to predict when you're going to get those positive results and it limits your margin for, for error. Um, as soon as you get any kind of variable, when you have bad process, even with talented people, you can see those wild ends of the spectrum here on From what championship the to not even making the plan. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I think that's what's at play here with the Lakers. Cause I look, I'm sorry, uh, compare, and this is going to sound harsh, but compared to the rest of the NBA and especially the top of the NBA, the Lakers front office is a clown show. Like it just is. We don't know who is responsible for what decision. We have all of these these people, people who there come, don't know who is responsible yeah. for what decision at times. Yes, and 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 you know, Jeannie can Jeannie can explain it away with those positive results all she wants, but those positive results are 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 those people succeeding in spite of the process. It's not those people succeeding because of the way that things are run with the Lakers. And, and until she realizes real. the separation there, like the Lakers are going to continue to, 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 to fly all over the radar because it's, it's just impossible to, to, to pinpoint when they're going to be successful. Everything has to fall right for them, for them to be successful. And like, look, let's be real, you know, like they, yes, they did win a championship two years ago. We have to acknowledge yep. that it was great. It was amazing. Like one of my favorite of teams us, of all time. Yeah. None of us would want to give that championship ring back just for like better process, you know, over the course yeah. of the years preceding it, whatever, like all of us, I think you and I are not like bubble ring guys or, you know, they got lucky or whatever, like that, that was so much fun. It was such a great run. Like I would not want to give that back. And that was amazing. Um, but you know, the reality is that this is not some, you know, like, even if you want to take out, you know, and our friends, the Kamenetsky brothers always make the great point that like, you can't completely take out the, the Jim bus years, because she was still in charge of the team signing off on those, even if, you know, regardless of her dad's wishes, like mm -hmm. she could have gone against that and made change sooner. If she had wanted to whatever, like, I am still reticent to to hold that era against her because I think she was trying to do from a human perspective, what she thought was the right thing in terms of giving him sort of the leeway that her dad wanted, even when things weren't going how she wanted them to. And he was also an easy meat shield, but like, let's just say since, you know, she got rid of Jim since, since she got rid of Mitch Kupchak, like empowered Rob Palenka as the GM in some form or capacity, the results have not been good outside of the one year. And so that in and of itself leads to, you know, they've, they've either missed the playoffs or lost in the first round of every single year of Rob Palenka's tenure, except for the year that they won the title, which is, you know, that's a big asterisk mm -hmm. um, on that resume, but still like there are questions but that's to be talent. Asked about the process here. That's talent.